You're listening to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. Wool fibre science. What do you think it means and why should you as a wool grower know about it? As global consumers become more conscious of their purchases, more and more people want to ensure that A, a product is good for themselves and B, is good for the environment. This is a good thing, especially for wool, being inherently natural, renewable and biodegradable. And the best way to assure people that wool is the planet-friendly fibre of choice is through wool fibre science, that is, the scientific evidence that the wool industry uses to promote and market wool's good fortune on the behalf of Australian wool growers. Whether it's demonstrating wool's ability to manage moisture, odour, temperature and toxins on human skin, or even showcase that wool over the course of a wool garment's lifetime is more environmentally friendly than a synthetic alternative, you can be assured that AWI has an investment strategy to boast your wool's properties to the world. Angus Island is AWI's Program Manager for Fibre Advocacy and Eco-Credentials. He caught up with us earlier to explain in more detail why wool fibre science is important and what research your levies are being invested into. Starting with health and wellbeing, this area of research aims to increase the demand for wool by expanding its reach into into new clothing cat- categories where wool is not commonly used. Wool has evolved over the eons to, to meet the health needs of sheep and almost all other mammals have evolved with a very similar woolly layer directly against the skin. And uh, none of these animals have evolved with a layer of cotton or even polyester because only wool offers a complete package of health benefits. So the challenge for our research at AWI was to identify areas of human health where wool would shine relative to other fibre types. So we focused on what was what's probably wool's greatest benefit, its ability to maintain a more stable microclimate between the garment and the skin in terms of temperature and humidity. And we began by studying uh, wool sleepwear You'll probably be aware that most sleepwear is made from cotton and sometimes viscose or even polyester, but very rarely wool. It's potentially you know, a large market for wool. But it's well understood that when people go to sleep, and especially when they're in deep sleep, the body's ability to thermoregulate and keep its temperature in this comfort zone is diminished. If you're in deep sleep and you get cold, you need to partially wake up in order to pull the blankets up and get comfortable again. And and that process of waking up means you get less deep sleep, which diminishes the quality of your sleep. And this becomes even more important when people get older because their ability to thermoregulate is diminished. They have easily disrupted sleep and increased wakefulness as they get as people get older. So when we commissioned researchers at Sydney University to compare the performance of wool, cotton and polyester sleepwear on older adults aged between 50 and 70. It was really rewarding to see that wool came out on top. People fell asleep faster in wool and they also had less fragmented sleep in wool. And when this study was published in the journal Nature and Science of Sleep, it generated a large amount of media coverage which had a quite a global reach so we got the ball rolling on wool sleepwear in this study and we're seeking to now grow that that market further yeah right and so because of this research have you seen a greater uptake of this research in sleepwear and wool bedding etc Wool bedding has already a footprint. Um, So the bedding area is already established. 
this research was focused on the on the sleepwear. It's a new market, and it's a bit like the chicken and the egg. You've, you've got to do the research first to show a benefit before you can generate the market. And and now that 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 first study is complete, we did get inquiries from manufacturers and you know wanting to extend their range into into sleepwear, and. Uh, that will be supported by further studies we're doing. So we have a new study underway at Sydney University, um, and this time we're looking at um, ladies going through menopause, uh, who are obviously another sleep-challenged group because they experience hot flashes, etc. Um, and it'll be really interesting to establish whether they also benefit from wool sleepwear. Like you were saying, it's really about giving scientific rigour to wool's technical properties in sleepwear in this instance so that we can see a greater commercial uptake. Are there any other new avenues that you're exploring in the health and wellness program? Yeah, so so the other main area that we've been exploring, we wanted to understand whether wool's ability to maintain a more stable microclimate between the garment and the skin would benefit eczema sufferers. And this is another potentially big market. Um, approximately a quarter of all children born to Western lifestyles suffer from eczema. And over the last six years, we've now completed um, three clinical studies, and all of them showed a statistically significant improvement in eczema symptoms from changing from their normal clothing to wearing wool-based layer garments. So it's been a really promising area of research, but we still need to do more work because there are particularly strong barriers to overcome to get traction in this market. Eczema sufferers have more sensitive skin than the average person and many of them believe that all wool is is scratchy and itchy uh, and likely to cause a flare-up in their symptoms. And some of them even believe they're allergic to wool even though there's no credible research showing that wool can be an allergen. What we're having to do with these to inform these markets is explained that wool comes in a range of fibre diameters and that especially super fine wool is soft and un- and comfortable against the skin and won't ag- aggravate their eczema. And certainly the participants in the three studies that have been completed and published have found that the garments we've used to be, to be comfortable and we've got no negative feedback about its performance. Oh, that's fantastic. And I know as well, when you can speak to the general public and tell them about these therapeutic benefits of wool for eczema sufferers, a lot of mothers in the general public with young children, they in particular take a lot of interest to these findings because like you said, a quarter of children out there show eczema symptoms. So that's great news for wool. And it's not just the children who suffer the whole family suffers and 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 mothers in particular do you know they're up a lot of the night caring for their children they're using moisturizers they're using steroids they want they generally want to avoid the use of steroids so if there are other pathways that can deliver a a, an out a favorable outcome you know that and especially natural pathways like a fiber like wool you know they become much more open to to this type of idea you know when it's a whole quality of life issue that can improve if the symptoms can be reduced so along with the health and wellness um in fiber science you're really helping out both ends of the wool supply chain because you're adding scientific rigor to wool's technical properties for a consumer but you're also doing some great work into the eco-credential space and looking at the life cycle of a garment, which shows that 
For wool, over the course of a wool garment's lifetime, it could be more environmentally friendly than a synthetic alternative. Well, certainly um, you would think so. Uh, um, Wool has a lot of advantages over other fibre types, particularly synthetics such as polyester, polypropylene and nylon. So, you know, you might think that, that environmental ratings agencies would rate wool well compared to synthetics, but that's not yet the case. Um, but these agencies, such as the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, currently rate wool and other other animal fibres, such as alpaca, mohair and cashmere, as worse than fossil fuel-based fibres. And why is that? Just to give a, a few examples then, um, a fundamental requirement of life cycle assessment is that you do actually measure the whole life cycle of a of a product, um, and in in the case of wool, you know that starts at the farm, it continues to processing, and it goes on from there to the use phase where people wear and wash their garments, all the way through to the end of life where where hopefully it biodegrades, and. Agencies like the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, they're only measuring the front end of the supply chain. Um, so so for, for clothing, they're measuring the uh, fibre production stage um, and the processing stage, but they don't, they don't account for the use phase when people are wearing their clothing or the end of life. Uh, and those are the two stages, two stages where wool performs particularly well, but they're not counted. A part of the eco-credentials portfolio as well and you were recently featured on the Country Hour, was the biodegradability of wool in marine environments. Does this fall under the life cycle assessment? Yes, it certainly does. So that's that's the end of life stage. In this case, uh, um, we wanted to look at whether wool biodegrades completely uh, in the marine en- environment because it's it's not there's not been that much work done in the marine environment. And uh, we know that when um, synthetics garments are, are, are washed and, and tumble dried that the they release microfibers or microplastics that, that that make their way into the environment into into the air into the rivers and, and oceans a huge source of um, pollution isn't it that's right yeah. and and some concern had been raised that the wool industry may have been contributing to the microplastic problem because of a, a, a finish applied to the surface of wool fibres. And uh, so we wanted to set the record straight on that issue. You know, does machine washable wool with the finish that's applied to the surface of the fibre, does that contribute to the microplastic problem? So we funded this study which compared wool to viscose, to polyester, to polypropylene and nylon uh, and other fibre types. And, uh, and so we got... A matching fiber, matching fabrics, or the researchers in New Zealand who did this work got matching fabrics of each, uh, and they they washed them um, a, a number of times to simulate the the use phase of the clothing, and then they shredded those garments to um, release the 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 fibers, the individual fibers, as they would happen if they'd come out of a washing machine, um, and then they put them in uh, in 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 seawater with all of the the normal microbes that exist in seawater uh, for 90 days and they measured the rate of biodegradation. Yeah, and the results were what we anticipated. Uh, um, essentially, not entirely what we anticipated. The, 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 it was a surprise to find that the machine washable wool 
um, biodegraded at a faster rate than virtually all other fibre types in that in that study. And there was no evidence that the finish applied to that wool uh, contributed to the microplastic problem. All, all of the the surf, all of the finish disappeared in the process and they could find no residues of that uh, using scanning electron microscope uh, and other techniques. Yeah, so uh, the, um, the three main findings were firstly that um, it was found that normal wool and machine washable wool biodegrade uh, readily in the marine environment, while synthetics fibres don't. And secondly, it showed that machine washable will biodegrade at a faster rate than normal untreatable, as I just mentioned. And thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, the researchers found no evidence that the uh, the finish applied to the machine washable wool contributed to the microplastic pollution problem. Um, so, uh, yeah, we were really pleased with that, um, that study uh, and it's now progressing towards publication. Yeah, three out of three, I'd say that's a pretty good success rate. Yeah, that's right. Finally, Angus, I'm not sure what your conversation topic of choice is, but I tend to find myself talking about wool. What would your key messages about wool be that we as wool growers and in the industry should be passing on to our mates, our mates' mates, and and people who perhaps don't know as much about wool's property and eco-credentials as we do? Well, I suppose it would go back to what we where we started, that, that wool is, is the fibre chosen by nature to, to meet every environmental circumstance that that the planet has thrown at mammals they've all chosen a keratin protein based fiber um, as as the best um, cover to go directly against the skin the best next layer to to protect the animal and improve its health Uh, and and as as we've discussed ellie it's it's natural Um, it's grown in nature it can be grown again year after year uh, while ever the sun shines and 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 at the end of its life it doesn't produce a a waste that 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 contaminates the planet it just biodegrades naturally returning its nutrients to the soil for for plants to grow so they are they are strong strong attributes of the fiber and i think another another feature is is that that is largely unknown you know, to the global audience, is that wool has changed its nature because uh, wool growers in Australia have responded to market pressure or market influence and they've been fining up the clip. And now more than a third of Australia's wool clip is in the super fine category, which is particularly suitable to be worn directly against the skin. And this is why we're able to find these new markets in sleepwear and in skin health um, because the old-fashioned garment that, you know, the, the old-fashioned school jumper that was always <laughs> regarded as prickly and itchy and put a lot of people off wool, that no longer exists. Uh, um, you, you, there's this huge supply of different wool uh, and it's this, it's this novel type of wool that is being is particularly helpful in the health and well-being market, uh, and and uh, it's uh, it's really opening up uh, a wide range of possibilities for for growth of demand for wool. And if not already, there will soon be more information on some of these projects delivered straight to your mailbox in issue 83 of Beyond the Bale on page seven, nine, ten, and twenty. So be sure to give it a read. You can also read the magazine online as well at wool.com, where additionally there's a section dedicated to fibre advocacy. 
That's all we have time for in the yarn today. I hope you learned something interesting to tell your mates about. AWI is on Facebook, Twitter, at Wool Innovation, and Instagram at Beyond the Bale. I'm Ellie Bigwood. Thank you for your company and see you next time for another yarn.